following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, the next three Wednesday nights are going to be a little unique, but I'm going to speak tonight on something kind of unique to us all. I'm going to speak about Goliath again. Again. Like he rose from the dead or something, you know. Goliath again. Everybody say Goliath. Again. Again. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. And I hope he's not too long. Because I'll like him better if he gets through on time. You may be seated. You're awesome people. What a beautiful crowd on Wednesday night. I am blown away by the beautiful people that's in this house. You know that you're the most beautiful people in all the world, don't you? You know that. And you that's listening online, you are the most beautiful people in your pajamas. I tell you what, I love everybody and we're going to get everybody back one day that wants to come back after COVID. They're coming back weekly to church and we're very grateful. And I'd like to say that not anything has happened negative since people have started coming back and we've been wearing a mask and slowly we've taken our mask off and it's just an honor to get back into the flow of the spirit. Florence, Italy is the birthplace of the Renaissance. There stands Michelangelo's statue of David. Patty and I got to see it in 2015. It's quite a work. Considered the master's greatest work, it has been stained and streaked by dirt and debris. And to mark the 500th anniversary a few years back, the towering statue was cleaned. Cleaning up David <laughs> is pretty tough work. Preachers have been doing this for years. We focus on the sweet psalmist of Israel while ignoring many times his failure as a husband, and as a father. David didn't fall just once. He fell many times. When such a visible figure falls, it's noticed. Yet this man was still a man after God's own heart. He chased God, Acts 13. Maybe then it's appropriate on this Wednesday after July 4th on a day when the nation remembers independence, one, and the sacrifice given for that independence, we turn our attention toward a militant passage of Scripture. 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 19 in the NIV said, In another battle with the Philistines at Gob, Elhanan, son of Jair Oregon, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. The NIV, the New International Version, and other translations speaks of this differently than does the King James. The King James inserts some italicized words saying that Elhanan, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath. And the italicized words are for the ease of reading and our understanding. But to let the original Hebrew stand on its own, the removal of the inserted words causes the passage to read like this. The Bethlehemite killed Goliath, the Gittite. This was not some giant that David faced as a boy. It wasn't the same person. This was another giant named Goliath. Maybe a relative of the original who came against David when he was an elderly man. Goliath came once, but in our text we see Goliath again. You know, there was two women in the land of Moab named Orpah and Ruth. One had a chance, both of them had a chance to follow Naomi back to Bethlehem. But Orpah said she thought she would leave. She hugged her, kissed her, and said goodbye. And Ruth clung to her, clung to her, and said, 
don't, don't leave me behind. I want to go with you. And you know the story that Ruth married a man named Boaz. They beget Obed and Obed beget Jesse and Jesse beget David. And David was the great grandson of Ruth. But what some people do not know, and it's historical, and many people have proved it and proof texted, that Orpah also had children, and in her lineage was a man named Goliath. And David, when he went out against Goliath, went out against somebody that his mother, his great-grandmother, and her dearest friend, her sister-in-law, were that close. But it's amazing what happens when you go in different directions. And one goes toward the Lord and the other goes toward the world. Just put that in your head. So David in the Hebrew means beloved. David was the young shepherd. And as a child, he was brought from the sheepfold and anointed by Samuel to be king of Israel. He was born in Bethlehem. This handsome, ruddy young man launched his name into the heart of Israel by killing a huge giant. He came for a report for his father, see how his brothers were doing. He wound up killing a giant named Goliath. Perhaps the most popular story in all the Old Testament. You, you know one any better? I don't know one any better. When no one else would fight the giant, David said, I will. And David marched onto the battlefield while the army of Israel waited. With bated breath to see David, young David go up against the foe that they all hated. And Goliath stomped and raged as he saw the lad draw near, and he cursed him in the name of his gods. But in David there was no fear. Woo! You see, David was wearing the armor of God, and in his mouth was a two-edged sword. And he hurried forth to meet Goliath in the name of his heavenly Lord. And he told him he'd take his head off and feed his flesh to the birds. That the Lord of hosts, God of all Israel, was with him to accomplish those words. And I love that poem. That's why I read it to you tonight. David believed, David believed the God who was with him yesterday would be with him today. Whether the mouth of the bear or the paw of the lion, God would give him the victory. And before the eyes of thousands of soldiers from both sides, God set his approval on that young teenage boy that day. And Goliath fell before a boy named David who was only a teen because you had to be at least 20 to be in the army of Israel and David could not be in that army. So it would take more, many more years before he was crowned king. And only after Saul, the first king, fell at Mount Gilboa alongside Jonathan, Saul's son and David's friend. And then when David was about 30 years of age, the tribe of Judah made him king, the southern kingdom. And seven years later, the remaining tribes of Israel joined in recognizing him as king. And for 33 years, 33 years, this Bethlehemite reigned over all of Israel. His kingdom stretched from the Nile to the Euphrates River. And two of David's sons, Solomon and Nathan, are the fork in the twin genealogies of Christ found in Matthew 1, Solomon's genealogy, which was Mary's side. And Luke 3, Nathan's genealogy, which was Joseph's side. Think about that miracle. Joseph was espoused to a girl named Mary. He came from one side of Solomon's uh, 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 genealogy, and Mary came from the other side. How is, is, that, is that unique or is that a miracle? I think it's a miraculous thing because God puts it all together. You'll catch on after a while. That's pretty deep what I just went in there with you. David was a forefather to another child born in Bethlehem, none other than the son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born in Bethlehem also. So our, our text, 
finds David years into his reign, closer to life, sunset than the sunrise. David now is fading fast. He has little time left on this planet. Soon, his Bathsheba son Solomon would reign in his stead. But then, as always, in David's life, there was another battle to fight. A giant named Goliath came on the scene. We all remember the five smooth stones that David picked up as a boy. As children, we used to sing about it in our Sunday school class. Those five stones were for J-E-S-U-S because David killed Goliath in the name of J-E-S-U-S. And then as teens, we were told that the five stones were for Goliath and he had four brothers or four other kin who were giant relatives and David suspected he would have to fight. Now what we do know is that four giants arose up in David's life, late in his life. Somehow, they were related to the Goliath that David took down in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Perhaps his sons, perhaps his cousins. And like Goliath, they were Gittites in the residence of Gath, a city in southern Palestine. Now, a giant named Goliath appears once more. Or as Yogi Berra, the old Yankee catcher, once said, it's deja vu all over again. So here's what I want to preach to you tonight. Enemies sometimes reappear. They really do. As decisive a victory as David experienced over Goliath, the enemy was slain and he was beheaded. Problems have a way of reappearing. Notice that Goliath first came alone. Then this time Goliath appears with a four-pack of giants. And with prob when problems reappear, they often come back stronger than they were the first time. Like the story that Jesus told of the unclean spirit who is cast out and leaves a house. When he returned, he brought back with him seven demons worse than himself. One problem leaves and many problems, note the plural term there, returns. You might remember in your high school mythology, Hercules was given the task of, de of destroying Hydra, the nine-headed serpent. And each time he cut off a head, two of them grew back in its place. Old enemies reappear. And in the meantime, they many times multiply. The simple truth is this. Nothing ever stays one. You've got to continue to fight every day. You've got to continue to claim the blood of Jesus every day. You can't take a day off. You can't take a day off. You have to stand up every day and say, I claim victory today in the name of the Lord. World War I was called the war to end all wars. But World War II soon came along as a continuation of the First World War. Then the Gulf War back in the 90s was supposed to solve the problem in Iraq. Yet Operation Iraqi Freedom was needed some years later. David wasn't given any golden years in his life. He didn't have a retirement year to walk around Israel and wave at everybody and say, Hallelujah, I've been the best you've ever had. It was a fight in his life till the end. I had an old-time old preacher in Louisiana I used to love. I admired him. I adored him. I thought he was the greatest thing. He was prophetic. He could, he could touch people's lives massively. When he spoke, he sounded, he had a prophetic voice when he spoke. And he preached one time, and I heard him say this. He died at 93. But he preached one time when he was about 89 or 90. He said, I really thought when I got old that the devil would let me alone, you know. I really thought that. 
And he said, when I was 88, it was the toughest year of my ministry. He said, thank God 89 got here. And 90 and 91. I'm here to declare, there are some things in your life you're going to have to fight till the end. And you got to get that in your spirit right now. You got to be warriors in the kingdom of God. Amen. There's a sickness called shingles. It's very painful. Oddly enough, it's caused by the same virus that results in chicken pox in children. And the virus remains dormant in the nerve root near the spinal cord of the body. And fatigue and stress and other factors can cause this virus to reactivate. And when it does so, it moves down the nerve channels to the skin where it erupts. I know. I've had it. Chicken pox is for children. Shingles is the adult version. <laughs> Chicken pox lasts a little while. Shingles last a long, long time. In fact, I had a physician tell me that you never can get rid of it. You can only trap it. So even today, I take something every day to trap the shingles in my body so they won't come back on me. A childhood enemy comes back to fight another adult day. No, I don't believe Goliath was resurrected to fight again. I don't. It was another giant going by the same name. This time he appeared stronger because David was weaker. Enemies sometimes reappear. Let me preach to you now. And old enemies call for a new strategy. They really do. What did David do when Goliath, the new Goliath, and the other giants appeared? Did he go find his childhood slingshot and gather those four remaining stones? No. David needed a new strategy. Just before our text, we read that David did something that was long overdue. His actions opened the door for new strategies against old enemies. Let me teach now. 2 Samuel says, David buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan in Kish. Having taken them from the men of Jabesh Gilead, when they had been hanged in Gilboa. And after that, God was entreated for the land. Here is one new strategy. Bury your yesterdays. Bury them. Come on, get with me now. When a person is young, it may be possible with sheer strength and will to, for, to survive some things from yesterday while carrying it. In fact, some go through their youth seemingly quite well, hauling the baggage of their past. Yet, when we get older, we grow to begin to understand it is impossible to face today's problems while fighting yesterday's as well. It's hard to win a battle on two fronts. Somebody's got to let something go back yonder so you can face today with certainty that the God that helped you then can help you now. Oh, come on, let me preach. Now, life has a way of weakness. We learn to live one day at a time. We learn to forget about the past. We learn not to worry so much about the future. It's right now. The Bible said he gives us strength for today. Today. There's so many people that worry about their yesterdays and their tomorrows, and they can't get in the now of their life. And because they can't get in the now, they're always frustrated of what tomorrow's going to bring or what yesterday's going to bring back. I'm here to declare, you need to bury some things back yonder. 
You need to say no more is that going to hurt me or harm me or halt me or stop me from doing what God has for me. And I'm not going to face anything in my future that's stronger than the God that's with me right now. Yes, sir. Amen. Y'all hadn't even noticed my shoes, have you? My kids got them for me for Father's Day. I didn't buy these for myself. I wasn't trying to be cool. They wanted me to be cool. And I don't feel real cool tonight in these shoes. Please notice that David took his painful memories, Saul's remains, and his pleasant memories, Jonathan's remains, and buried them both together. And he buried everything associated with yesterday. He buried the good. He buried the bad. He buried the beautiful. He buried the ugly, the sweet and the sour. He buried it all. Reminding ourselves of yesterday's hurt will not help. Reminiscing about yesterday's pleasures will not help either. For yesterday does not have the answer we need today. Only those who have lived a while understand this. When David was young facing Goliath, he pointed to his past victories. His past victories seemed an absolute precursor to the present victory. Now David is old. Now David knows that the past predicts nothing. Yesterday didn't have the answer. His answer is simply, I buried Saul. I buried Jonathan. I buried the past. Some people have come to me and say, Pastor, I've been hurt. I had that happen to me on Sunday. Pastor, I've been hurt. I've been physically hurt by my father, physically abused by my father. I'm hurt. And I said to them, you got to walk away and bury that. You cannot have victory in your soul today by hanging on to that of yesterday. Listen to what they're saying about me, pastor. You got to bury that. You got to bury that. Look, look what they say about my hard earned education that I'll never amount to anything in life. Bury that. Bury that. Amen. And look at, look at this resume that I have, Pastor, and my family don't think it's good enough. Bury that. I'm telling you the God that I'm preaching about is strong enough to take you right now and take you to where you need to go right now. Right now, right now. In fact, I'm learning that psychologists today do not even wanna go back into your past as much as they wanna go into your future and tell you how great things can be for you. And if psychologists are learning that, Jesus taught us that a long time ago. Hey, I have prepared for you a place. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Hey, when you get dragged down on earth, start looking up to heaven. God's got something great for you. He's got something awesome for you. You have a present and you have a future. Bury yesterday. Old enemies don't fear your memories. Old enemies don't fear your sentiment. Bury it. And by the way, isn't that what water baptism does? It's a covenant with another Bethlehemite named Jesus to bury our yesterdays. Because when you go down in water, you come up and rise to walk in the newness of life. You're a brand new creature. You're a brand new creature. You might have went down choking on drugs and alcohol, but you come up a brand new creature. That's how it works. 
you might have went down. You might have went down an abused person, but you come up a healed person. You might have went down somebody that everybody said would never make it, but when you come out of that water, God says you're going to make it because I'm on your team now. I'm here to declare to you, when you come up out of the water, there's an open heaven above you. And when you look up to an open heaven, that means angels and power and glory is going to be falling on you and blessing your life. It was open to Jesus and it's going to be open to us. That's why I love water baptism because heaven's open and the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And when I came out of the water, the heavens opened for me and I saw that God had something great for me. Oh, oh, hallelujah. You're getting the rhythm now. Hey, let's clap our hands real big all over this house. God's in this place. God's in this place. God's in this place. Woo! Look at the second strategy for facing old enemies. The second one. Second Samuel. Now, if I don't get some of these words right, you can improve me after church. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. Then David waxed faint. In other words, he passed out. He got, he got, he got sick and tired. And Ishbabanab, which was of the sons of the giants, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with the new sword, thought to have slain David. He had David on the ground. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore unto him saying you shall go no more out with us to battle that you quench not the light of Israel the second thing is that you have to accept change you got to accept change if you're doing the same old thing and expecting different results it's called insanity you got to accept change David tried to fight as he did before but the old way didn't work the glory of the young man is their strength but David was no young, longer young. He waxed faint in the battle. He exhausted himself. And to compound the problem, one of the giants had a new sword. David was not only older trying to fight the old way, but this whippersnapper giant shows up with this new gadgetry. An elderly ministerial friend years ago that I knew very well decided to pastor again after a long hiatus. And he had told many young men how he used to handle problems and difficulties in the church. In the meantime... Some of us young men begin working with people. And I tried to approach on the same matter. They didn't work. I thought it was just me. But when he began to pastor again, he discovered that what worked years ago didn't no longer work. It lasted a couple of years and he had to get out of it again. Why? He was wiser but weaker. In the interval between his pastors, the enemy had employed some new tactics now, I want to share something with you right now. We fight the old ways, but the devil changes tactics. The family unit has dissolved. So we are forced to change tactics as well. Now the message is not only repent, but our duty is to repair it. <laughs> Amen. I'm preaching to a lot of single fathers today, a lot of single moms today. I'm preaching to divided families. I'm preaching to nuclear families today. I'm preaching to all kinds of inner interactive families, all kinds of situations, and it's all different. But I declare to you, I'm going to preach to you Jesus Christ. 
because the only constant in everything that we have is that Jesus Christ's blood still saves us and he still heals us and he still sets us free. And so my main constant, my main constant, one thing that has never changed is Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you, you, things have changed. You don't have to like it. You don't have to approve it. But you do have to accept it. But I'll tell you one thing that has not changed. And that's Jesus Christ. And he is here for us. And he's going to help us. Hey, man, he's going to help us. He's going to be here. He's going to be with us. He's going to walk with us. He's going to go with us. He'll sleep at night with us. He'll wake up with us in the morning. He's not going away. You have to marginalize and set aside. You'll have to, you will have to wax faint fighting new battles in old ways. David accepted the fact that he had changed and the enemy had not changed. Or he, he had changed and the enemy had changed. This acceptance led him to a third strategy. And I'm getting close to a close. 2 Samuel chapter 21 said, But Abishai, the son of Zariah, succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. And the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go no more to the, at the battle you, you, so that the light will not be quenched in Israel. Verse 18, And it came to pass after this, watch this now, that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. And Sibachai, the Hushahite, <laughs> slew south, which was of the sons of the giant. I did that on purpose. It's Hushahite. But I like to say Hushahite. That's what I like to say. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines where El Elhanan, the son of Jeroboam, the Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, and the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And then there was yet another battle in Gath where there was a man of great stature, and he had, every hand had six fingers, and every toe had six toes, four and twenty in number. Instead of twenty, he had four, four more extra. And he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, the brother of David, slew him. The third thing that David had to learn to do was to involve others. Now listen to me. Look to your neighbor to the right and to the left and say to both of them, we need each other in this last day. Look at your wife and look at your husband. Look at your friend and say, I need you in this last hour. A third strategy to employ in fighting old enemies is to involve other people in your life. David surrounded himself with men loyal to him. When the going got tough, he involved them. Abishai, David's nephew, killed the giant Ishbabanab. Subakai slew the giant named Saph. Elhanan, a fellow Bethlehemite, killed the new Goliath. And Jonathan, another nephew, killed a 24-fingered, 24-toed, unnamed behemoth. He did. <laughs> He didn't even have a name. He just had numbers. <laughs> David killed the first giant, but to kill the remaining ones, he involved other people. David, you'll always be remembered as the giant killer. You stood alone and took Goliath down. But learn what God is trying to teach you. Another Goliath has risen, and you'll not defeat him on one-on-one. -on -one. You'll need a team approach for this one. So I want to preach to this congregation just a little while before I shut down tonight and tell you, that everybody in this house is valuable to the kingdom of God. When you come in this house, this is a house of worship. You don't need to sit there and stare at other people while they're worshiping. 
because it may be your worship that inspires them to say, wow, if he can worship after knowing what he's gone through in his life, I can make this thing called life. Everybody in this house needs to clap their hands. Everybody in this house needs to worship God with everything they have because everybody needs everybody. We all need somebody in our life. Amen. It's not the preacher preaching the book and touching three or four people. It's the preacher telling you, everybody needs somebody in this house tonight. And somebody can walk up and give you a word and you'll say, wow, that's what I needed tonight. Somebody can lay hands on you and you can be healed. Somebody can talk to you and you can walk out of here with encouragement because everybody is needed in the house of God. Paul wrote this to his son, Timothy. He said, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit you to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Say others also. What power can be found in those words, others also? To spread the gospel, others also. To win victory, others also. To ignite a passion for revival, others also. David learned that lesson. No matter how strong you are, you need other people. I've always said a man that thinks he can build a church by himself is the greatest egotistic person, maniacal egotist in America, in the world. I can't do this without you folks. I can't do this without a great staff. I can't do this without praying people. I can't do this without singing people. I can't do this without altar workers. I can't do this without ushers. I can't do this without faithfulness. I can't do this without you being your part, you being your share. We can't do this alone. Come on, we can't do this by ourselves. But you show up on a Wednesday night like this, and you show up on a Sunday morning, and you show up on a Sunday night for Bible study, and you show up, and you're here, and you're accounted for. And you're a part of what God is doing in this life, in this last hour. Everybody is important. Everybody matters. Everybody matters. We need everybody to say, this is my church. And I'm going to worship God. Come on, clap your hands all over the house. That's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Patty and I have once more been amazed at the beauty of this congregation. People have been walking up, can we get a meal to you? Can we get a meal to you? And y'all could bring us, y'all could bring us pig suey or whatever. <laughs> and we'd eat it because you want to be involved in what's happening. I love that. And I think if everybody that's come up and asked me, we could be having dinner till Christmas. But you know what that means? That means you believe that everybody needs to be a part of what God's doing in this hour. You don't need to count yourself out. You don't need to pull away. You don't need to say, you know what? I don't think I need that. Yes, you need this, and this needs you. And you're a part of what God's doing in this last hour. Amen, amen. Finally, David learned one more thing. The four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Victory can still be found 
over old enemies. You still do it. You know, I've had people walk up to me in my 31 years here and say, Pastor, you know, I just think I've got something that's just unfixable. And I've always told them there's nothing unfixable. Nothing. God can fix anything. 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 And then when God does it, they say, wow. And here's what I want to say. If you've ever said wow to his healing, to his miraculous, to his glory, don't ever think he can't do another wow. Amen. And I'm going to close with this. God has brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. And this church will represent the kingdom of God in the last hour, in the last days. And we will be strong. We will run with the footmen. And when the horsemen come, we'll grab a horse and we'll ride with them. Because I believe with all my heart that God has pre premeditated and pre pre predicted a church that is going to stand. And churches that have the Holy Spirit of God in them will stand. We'll stand, we'll stand, we'll stand, we'll stand. Randy, help me. Randy, help me. David, the Bethlehemite, killed an old Goliath. Another Bethlehemite killed a new Goliath. And the new Goliath was just as dead as the old Goliath. <laughs> Victory tastes just as sweet when you teach someone else to conquer. So what's your advice for me, Pastor, when I get up in the morning? What's your advice for me? I want you to get up in the morning and I want you to say, God, you've made this day. You've made this day. And I will know victory this day. And I will have victory this day. I will know the victory of the Lord this day. If you'll commit yourself to that prayer, it doesn't take you 45, 50 minutes. Just pray that prayer. I will have victory in my life today. And whatever happens in my life, this day will end with victory. I will throw a stone of victory in the urn when I come in my house because victory is going to be in my life today. Victory is going to be in my life today. It's going to be in my life today. It's going to be in my life. And you know what? I can't wait till in the morning because I'm going to wake up and say the same thing I've said for a number of years. This is a day that he's made and I'll rejoice and be glad. I'll rejoice and be glad. God is good. God is awesome. God is great. Pastor, I'm weaker today than I was yesterday. Yeah, but you're also wiser. And you got to get wise. God will help you. God will see you through. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. He told Paul that when he talked about his thorn in the flesh. He'll surround you with others who can help you succeed. That's why this church is here. I'm blown away, folks. I'm blown away by you. I've tried to explain this church to other people and I can't explain you. You're an inexplainable church. I just say, they show up. Our church just shows up. They're here. They're in the house. And you know what, folks, to have this kind of crowd on a Wednesday night in the summer when a lot of people are running here and there, it's you know, the 4th of July really is a week and a half holiday now. 
you know that, don't you? But to have you in the house of God, you chose to be here. Nobody made you come tonight. I can't explain this to anybody other than the fact that you folks love Jesus. You love the house. And you love your fellow brothers and sisters in this house. Stand up all over the place and let's clap our hands real big for the Lord one more time. Come on, clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. Amen. So my question, are you still clinging to yesterday? Bury it. Are you still resisting change? Surrender. Are you still standing alone? Learn the power of saying, please help me. One can defeat a giant. The other can defeat many giants. Even old giants. Unique message. I wanted to preach it tonight. I got it said. And here's what I want to tell you. This message may be bitter a little bit to your taste, but it'll be sweet down here. Because you're going to realize that, that person beside you, that person that you shake hands with, that person that is out there, you say, wow, I wish I could have a friend like that. God's going to give you friends like you've never known before. I went out to find a friend. There was no one there. I went out to be a friend. They were everywhere. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So I want you to understand that we need each other. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Father, I thank you for tonight. You're a blessed God. You're an awesome Savior. And there's none like you. No, not one. Thank you for the privilege of just standing in your house tonight declaring your word and bringing the gospel to these people, these precious people. Lord, we're going to see Goliaths again in our life. Old enemies are going to try to come back. Old habits, old haunts, old relationships, things that we thought we'd moved on from. They're going to try to come back, but God, you're going to give us a new way to approach them and a new way to say, no, I'm moving forward in the now, in the now, in the now. In Jesus' name. Take out your bread. We're going to take communion to this message tonight. Take out your bread. Amen. Amen. Tisha, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Vince, it's good to see you. I love y'all. I, th I know you. It's good to see you. bread up and say Lord thank you for the bread tonight and you are the bread of life that came down from heaven and we honor you tonight and we take your body that was broken into our lives because your brokenness can fix our brokenness and in the name of the Lord I receive this bread
found you one day. Or really, you found me. <laughs> and I surrendered. And I surrender again tonight. Because nothing can wash away my sins but the blood of Jesus. So I receive you tonight into my life. And I take your shed blood into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, after communion, the disciples went out to a hill and they sang a song. The theologian said it was Psalms 118. Verses is this is the day the Lord has made, and I'll rejoice and be glad. And so tonight I'm happy to be in church with these precious people. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this people. And thank you because you love us beyond measure. Bless us now as we depart, and bless us as we go to our respective places. Bring us back Sunday morning, alert and aware, knowing that we need each other. We need you. We're going to have a present and a future in this house. In Jesus' name, amen.